What do you think our socialites are going to take away from the club today? Our socialites are going to learn how a criminal couple working like predators stalk, surround, and kill their prey. How they devour unsuspecting males looking for a quick hookup. It's just a weakness that isolates them as an easy target. And I hope that all men listening to this are aware that there are no free pleasures in this world. Welcome to Socialite Crime Club. Rochester, New York this week, home of Kodak. I love Rochester, actually. I didn't realize that Kodak actually started there. The, like the camera company, right? The, the camera company. Kodak actually started. Kodak Eastman was the beginning of Kodak back in the 1800s. And like their big tagline was a Kodak moment. And the idea there is if you have a Kodak camera with the Kodak film, you can snap a picture in time and then you can send it to them and they'll process it and you'll have a Kodak moment. Does Kodak even exist anymore? I kind of remember my kids having little, these little tiny miniature Kodak cameras. They asked for them for Christmas one year and there were these miniature Polaroids. But I guess Polaroid was a different company than Kodak, right? Right. right. They were kind of similar. But Kodak was the first company that came out with the Polaroid camera. Okay. Now, what's interesting is a Kodak moment today is not looked at as the same. So in 1975, Kodak actually invented the first digital camera. Hmm. And then they told the engineer not to tell anybody about it because they made their money from the film and the paper that they processed on so they continued into the 90s and they completely missed the boat on digital photography. In 2001, they bought an online company, Ophoto, that was specializing in sharing photos online. Hmm. Kind of like Facebook, Instagram, yeah. before Facebook and Instagram. Right. They bought it with the intention of selling the people who had those photos would print them at home. And they went back to pushing paper. Nobody prints photos. Nobody prints photos. And Kodak found this out the hard way. Not being aware of their surroundings, how things were developing around them, completely shot themselves in the head. And in 2012, Kodak, with that used to be a billion dollar plus a year business, filed for bankruptcy. So when you hear making a Kodak moment today, mm -hmm. a lot of like CEOs and big companies will actually refer to it's that as negative. how do you, how do you miss what's so obviously in front of you? Right. Which is really going to resonate with our episode I can think of a lot today. of companies like that actually. I'm sure you can. <laughs> All right. It's going to be May 27th. Okay. 2017. And we, like I said, we're in Rochester, New York. Mm -hmm. uh, late spring, like it's finally thawing out. Rochester is very cold in the winter, so it's finally right. thawing well, out. Well, it's super far north in New York. Super far north, like you're pretty much in Canada. Like two 18-hole golf courses there. They have kayaking, like crew rowing teams go there. It's crazy. It's a huge park. Yeah, the river actually splits the park in half, so they have these big pedestrian walkways where you can actually walk over the river. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure everybody can appreciate Bob's surprise when he's taking this beautiful bike ride going over the pedestrian river or the pedestrian crossing over the river. He gets to the other side. There's a body on fire in the park. 
just the body is like laying down though. It's not somebody just. It's not standing up and running, running around. Park, right? No, it's okay. not like a stuntman. Just making sure. <laughs> so this is how <laughs> this episode is going to start. Our 911 call is going to be on May 27th, 2017, about 6.20 in the morning. And Bob is reporting there is a man on fire in the park. Lying down, he appears to be dead. Okay. Luckily. Um, obviously, law enforcement is going to respond. They put the fire out. They realize, okay, this guy's not only on fire. This is a very unfortunate beginning to someone's morning. Like Oof. on a nice morning like this in Rochester. You have no idea how unfortunate this was for this poor guy. Um, he is going to be found with two gunshot wounds in the head. So not only was he burned, it appears that he was shot first. Uh, then he was okay. burned. Um, there's this thing that we do in forensic crime scene processing that applies to thermal dynamics. And what this is, is there's a number of different ways we can look at bodies, either chemically or through some type of photography. And then there's actually thermal imagers that they can actually determine where the majority of the fire was concentrated. And what I mean by that is if somebody's using an accelerant like gas, yeah. If I pour gas on you and I light you on fire and your entire body burns, this thermal forensic imagery will actually show me where the gas was poured, where the concentration yeah, was. Yeah, they do this in house fires too. So they can actually tell where a house fire started. If it started from an electrical wire or from the stove, there's a much Correct. higher concentration of burn or heat or something of that nature right. in that area. So in this case, they do that at the scene and they realize – just an interesting note that the concentration of accelerant, the fuel, mm -hmm. was in the crotch area and on his hands, which basically interprets somebody poured gasoline on his crotch area and on his hands, his hands. and then, and then, then started the fire. fire there. Yeah. Typically, when we're dealing with a burning body, uh, there's two primary causes that people will burn a body if it's a homicide. The first one is destruction of evidence, the obvious one, right? Like fire mm -hmm. wreaks havoc with DNA. So it causes all kinds of problems with DNA. The second part is you got to put the body out. You've got to figure out the scene. So it really ruins the forensic value of the scene when you have to put the fire out. But there's another thing that a lot of people may not realize. Burning a body is also associated with an overkill. And what I mean by overkill is like you are so pissed off at this person. You hate them so much. Like yes. you just can't hurt them enough, even yes. in death. Yes. So This makes sense to me. You just want to burn them. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that that makes sense mm -hmm. to you as well. Yeah. So this, um, this poses a number of issues with the crime scene is you have to look at, okay, is this an overkill or is somebody trying to actually get rid of evidence? Got it. Um, that's the first thing. The second piece is... Although it ruins some facets of evidence, it also opens the door because it's another event that happens. And sometimes, like in this case, things will start to line up later. Well, it might highlight details that you might need to know for the case that make it a better, give you a better understanding of what's happening. Correct. Correct. The victim is identified. We're not going to use his real name. We're going to call him Lewis. All right. So for the rest of this episode, Lewis is our victim. That was shot in the head, and then his body was burned at the Genesee Valley Park. Uh, the investigation proceeds pretty much in the normal process. They contact the family. They're going to do an autopsy. Obviously, not very much comes out of the autopsy. Like, right. it's a burnt body. The family's going to help piece together some, some timeline, if you will, of, hey, this is what he's into. Here's what he's doing. It's what we call victimology, and it's the idea of understanding our victims really well, how much of a victim 
are they? And what I mean by that is their risk profile. Is this somebody who's living a very high risk lifestyle that just the fact they're still alive is somewhat of a, a testament of luck? Sure. Or is this somebody who hardly goes out is almost a hermit. So it's really uncommon that they would be exposed to a dangerous situation like this. Right. So as they start to develop that, one thing that really piques investigators' interest is it was known by some family members that he was at a strip club the night before. So that's like the only thing they really knew is, yeah, he was going out to the strip club. This isn't just any strip club. In Rochester, there's a handful of strip clubs. This one is referred to as the Cordial Lounge. Oh, this looks like a very interesting place. Yeah, here's a picture of it. It's also Dominique Showgirls. Like, I can't tell if that's a house or if it's a house (laughs) converted into uh, like maybe a restaurant bar. This is interesting. Okay. Yeah, and just to be clear, those of you that can actually see this picture, we're talking about the building on the left. The one on the right, I think, is just an abandoned shack. I got to be honest. I drive by this place. This is one of those things that's going on my top 10 nope list. Like, I am never going to Cordial Lounge. So if you're listening, you can actually see what Cordial's Lounge looked like in 2017 on our our YouTube page. So you can come and view the image that we have. And it's shady. Like for a strip club, like that's probably the jankiest strip club well, I've ever they seen. they invested in the awning, clearly. <laughs> it is a that nice, was an investment. It is a nice awning. They do have a Facebook page. I actually went to their Facebook page and uh, checked some stuff out on their Facebook page. Okay. It's rough. It, it is as rough inside as it is outside. Like this is a place that I think... They had a Facebook page? They had a Facebook page. I didn't realize strip clubs had Facebook pages. Dominique Show. It would make sense. Yeah, total Facebook page. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna look at some surveillance video. And this is our victim. He's wearing a blue sweatshirt, blue uh, hat here. And this is him walking into Cordial's lounge. And I want you to describe for our audience listening, what is it that you're seeing here that's kind of interesting to you? So there's somebody wearing a security shirt, and he actually has a gun on his right hip. And he's doing a thorough search of, of poor Lewis here. I don't and think you're it doing... It is a really thorough search. Like, that's a better search than most cops do, like, on an arrest. And he's just trying to get through the front door. And it is mm-hmm. a police officer. It's an off-duty police officer. Oh, look, they're shaking hands. It's like they know each other. Yeah, they friends. do, like, a, a little bro chest bump. Oh, there's another bro chest bump with another patron in the facility. Oh, he just bumped into a guy. Oh, he's like, hey, sorry. Hey, careful out there. Right. And it's a jungle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he all seems all, like a really nice guy. He seems like a really nice guy. Very polite, complete shakedown of a search right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I have seen cops do less of a search putting sus- really bad suspects in the back of their police car. Yeah. Like that was a thorough. And he looked really built, actually. He looked the like. The victim, yes. Yeah, our victim looked like he takes good care of himself. Pretty stocky guy. But that gives you an idea of the strip club that you are getting a full shakedown search pat down before you go in there. Like Mm -hmm. there's a reason for that, that they have an off-duty police officer standing Well, you're in Rochester. Well, that's the second piece. All right. So he's going to arrive roughly right around 1.30 in the morning. And then he's going to end up leaving around 2.11. So he's there for about 40 minutes, a little over 40 minutes. When they pull the surveillance camera, he comes in by himself, which you just saw. When he leaves, he leaves by himself. They can actually see him walking down the side of the club. He gets in his car and he pulls out and he leaves. So they're like, well, not a lot happening at the strip club. Okay. In Rochester, they have what's called blue light cameras. And what these blue light cameras are is they're cameras that are at the street lights, and they put a blue light on the top of them. Mm-hmm. 
On the East Coast, there's a lot of privacy laws right now that prevent law enforcement from using cameras that are mounted in public for criminal investigations. Sure. Which is, you have to get search warrants for any public camera. Which is lunacy. Mm-hmm. Like they can use it to monitor traffic, but I can't use it to solve a homicide. So what Rochester well, criminals has... criminals have rights too. I know. So what Rochester has done is they put these blue lights on top of these cameras kind yes. of as a warning that, hey, this is a police camera. We have access mm-hmm. to it. And you can see that by the blue light. So they do this at universities as well. They're, they have phones with right. blue lights on them at universities so that if you are in trouble, you can run to a phone quickly. And Right. But that's more of telling you, hey, there's a phone here. You can save yourself. Right. This camera is telling you... If we're you're the, committing a crime, we're the popo and don't we're go watching. past this yes. camera. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So they start pulling blue light cameras and they see his vehicle pull out. It's Lyle Street that's in front there. And he goes wet or east on Lyle. About three quarters of a mile down, he turns left on State Street and then they lose him. They don't okay. see him anymore on the blue light camera. So they're kind of, uh, we don't know what happens. And what's interesting is when they lose him, he's traveling north. Genesee Valley Park is about four, almost four and a half miles to the south. Okay. So he's going the wrong direction from where he ends up, and they just can't find him. Well, another detective is looking at this case a couple days later, and he's like, hey, there is a Speedway gas station about half a mile down the road from this intersection where we last see him. I think they have surveillance video as well. So he's going to go to the Speedway just kind of on a whim and try to pull the surveillance video. And we've got a clip of that video. And what's really interesting is we'll huh. try to walk everybody through this here. We're just looking at like a gas this station. Is, this is a really busy gas station. It is. It's for super busy. For that time in the morning. <laughs> right. Because it's about 2.11. And our, yeah. our victim just pulled up in like this little SUV car. That's his car. Uh-huh. And just before him was... He's at the furthest pump, correct? He is. And like, it kind of looks greenish almost or right. gray, greenish gray. And as he pulled in, there was a little Ford Taurus that pulled in ahead of him. The driver got out of that Taurus and is now standing at his driver's Wait, is door. Is the Taurus the one that looks kind of white? Yeah. Just past pump one there? Yep. yep. Okay. Got it. And we'll see it a lot more as we kind of go through this. But now that we see, and this is the female walking into the store. She so, has like camo pants and a black shirt. Right. So to break okay. this down. What was on her head? It looked like a do-rag, but I'm not sure. Essentially, what's happening here is we see a Ford Taurus pull in. Our victim's vehicle is right behind the Taurus. The Taurus parks at one gas pump. Our victim parks at another. Got it. A female driver of the Taurus gets out, walks over to our victim's car, talks to him at the driver's window, and then she goes inside while our victim is still outside at his car. This is a picture of her inside. Oh, it's like a scarf on her head. Yeah. Obviously, law enforcement hasn't identified her yet, but just to make this easy, Amani is her name. Okay. So Amani has gone inside, and she's going to buy a duchy and two B&Ms. What's a B&M? Black and mild, and a duchy is like, these are like those little cigar blunts. That, yeah, I know what a duchy is, but a, a black and mild is also a cigar, too. <laughs> yeah, like, it's the same same thing, just okay. a different flavor, if you will. And she buys three of them, not one, not two. But three, which is very interesting. She's going to go back out. And when she goes out, and this is what I think kind of threw investigators off a little bit. She's going to walk right by our victim who is now walking in the store. And there's really no obvious acknowledgement or contact. Yeah, there's really no connection. They just walk by. She goes back to her car. Our victim goes inside. Uh This is the first time we're going to get a really good view of our victim as far as surveillance, what he's wearing that night, some of the video, if you will, of like his shirt. And he's got this blue hat on and that's going to be really critical later on it's like a new york 
New York, is that a New York Yankees cap? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, blue and white yeah. New York Yankees is what it looks, looks like. New, it looks new, too. It still yeah. has a little bit of sheen and shine on it. Right. So he's going to come in, and he's going to pay for $5 worth of gas. So you can tell it's an older case because you could actually get a little bit of gas for 5 bucks. Um, <laughs> you could get like half a tank yeah. for $5. So he's going to pay for gas. But we get a really good idea here of, hey, here's what he's wearing. And minus the hat... It's the same pants, the same shirt that he's wearing at the crime scene. So he didn't. Okay. He doesn't change clothes when he leaves here is what I'm getting at. Okay. But the hat is missing at the crime scene. They don't recover the hat yet. Hmm. All right. So at 225, and I, I cut out the surveillance video here because it's just a lot of standing around. We're about 225 in the morning. Our victim returns to his car. Amani is going to get out of the driver's seat of that Ford Taurus and kind of walk back and forth between our victim and the Ford Taurus and our victim's car and the Ford Taurus. And then eventually okay. we're going to see a third person, which is a male subject who's unidentified at this point. Okay. Get out of the passenger seat of the Taurus. He's going to get into the driver's seat of the Taurus and Amani's going to get into the victim's car. And we never car. see him in the camera. Yeah. You, you can see him get out, but not enough to identify sure. him. Sure. Okay. What's interesting is when Amani gets into, actually finally gets into the victim's car, she's sitting in the front passenger seat. He's in the driver's seat. She's there for almost two minutes. And then she gets out and she's going to go back in the store again. Okay. Something pretty phenomenal happens, though, when she gets in as far as the investigation goes. She has her cell phone in her hand. It oh, rings. evidence. Yep. She sees it ring and she answers it. So now we know that a potential suspect, where she's at, and the fact she's on a phone call. Was that a flip phone? It is. It's an old school flip phone. Yeah, good eye. <laughs> What's interesting here, and I'm going to kind of jump to the chase just to make this story run a little smoother. Eventually, we're going to get Amani's phone records. She's calling the male subject who's in the Ford the Taurus. Taurus. Okay. And basically, there's a conversation of why did you get out of his car and go back into the store? Oh. And she's having okay. to explain, like, hey, I, I got to get do some stuff. Do we have stuff. the transaction record? We do. So she hangs up, and she gets up to the counter. And the, on the right-hand side, you can actually see what's popping up, what she's what buying. What is that, a condom she's for $4.99? Uh, a condom, extra oh, large. Oh, extra large. Yeah, so uh, she's buying a condom, Okay. which is kind of interesting if you think about the fact she's sitting in his car for two minutes they're talking about something, and then she's like, oh, I better run back Maybe in the store. Maybe this is why they came this way rather than going south towards the park. Maybe this is the only speedway with extra large condoms. I'm sure that's it. Yeah. I mean, that, it totally makes it sense. It just makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so both vehicles are now going to leave the gas station. They're going to head south towards the park. But what's interesting is they're going to go on totally different routes. And um, she's in the victim's car. She's in the victim's car now, okay. and then the Taurus is following for about the first mile, and they're piecing this together. Is the together, Taurus going on a longer route? A much longer route. And law enforcement's going to be able to piece together these routes using these blue light cameras throughout the whole city. So they just, okay. they see, they go through this next intersection, they look at the camera at the next one until they come through that one, and so on and so forth. For about a mile, they're following each other again, but then okay. they separate. The Taurus goes into a neighborhood, and it looks like maybe he stops in that neighborhood for a while, and then eventually he comes out. Amani and our victim are going to make it to Genesee Drive, which is next to the park there, around 2.40 a.m. They're going to park the car and they're going to walk into the park. Uh, the Ford Taurus arrives around 2.57. So about 17 minutes later, our male suspect gets. And what's interesting is when you look at the routes, even though the routes are completely different, they park at the exact same place. So, so they knew. They were yeah. planning this. Something is okay. very clearly planned. Okay. It's definitely some pre-planning here. Our poor victim. 
Yeah, our poor victim. When law enforcement discovers this, they're like, okay, so we see these two went to the park. That's mm -hmm. a good thing. Let's go back to cordials. Where did they meet up? Did they meet up at Speedway? Like this is, did they know each other prior to this? So they get okay. more video from cordials and they start to go through it. And we can actually see this male oh and female. Oh my gosh. That and was kind of shady. That, how they come in. I'll play that one again, just so you can see it again. <laughs> this is a couple who knows where the cameras are at and are hiding from the cameras. Yeah. Immediate red flag, right? However, this camera is much harder to hide from. And you see they both come in here. The male is in front here. And again, a very thorough search as he goes into the club. Does he have his phone in his, his hand? His phone is in his hand. And here's what's crazy. Watch the cop. Like, this guy has enough experience that things have gone down in this club that he's not just going to assume that's a regular phone. Yeah, he's looking for small razors. He's looking for yeah, anything watch, that watch could shank somebody with. Watch what he does with the phone right here. He actually looks, he gets out his flashlight and he shines it on his phone and he checks mm -hmm. out his phone to make sure like it's not a knife that looks like a phone or a gun. Like right. it is crazy. And then she gets kind of the shakedown as well. But this is our couple that met up with our victim at Speedway going into cordial. Right. They get there three minutes before our victim does. Oh, this is crazy. But they come from different areas. There's no reason to believe that they... That they came together. That they came together. When they go to leave, this is the video of them leaving, and they seem pretty nonchalant. Our, our male suspect has a hoodie on now, so you really can't see his face at all, but they're just going to walk out and leave. Our male victim is mm -hmm. going to leave about two or three minutes behind them. So it makes sense why law enforcement didn't put this together right. when they first viewed they it. They just don't look like they have any connection. Right. But it appears that they met at, at the cordials. cordials. Now, I mentioned earlier we're going to get Amani's phone records. And when we get Amani's phone records, what we find is that as soon as they leave cordial, Amani starts calling our victim. And we've got to talk a little bit about phone records and why law enforcement sometimes gets big data sets of phone mm -hmm. records. If I was looking at our victim's phone for just the time that he went to the club and then later on he ends up at the park dead, I've got maybe 12 hours. I don't know what's normal or not Yeah, normal. you don't know if he knows, if he's always had contact with Imani or not. We Correct. need a bigger data set to know right. whether or not it's a pattern of behavior for them or if this is just a one-time thing. Right. So we want at least a month. Sometimes we want two months. And in this case, Rochester does everything right. They get a big enough data set that we can look at that and say... Amani has never called our victim before, and he's never called her until Except two minutes after they leave the club. Okay. And in between the club and Speedway, Amani's going to call him four times. So this seemed like a really fast interaction for him to leave with these yes. two. Yes. It, it, it is very clear to me, at least, that he gets approached. What was that time frame? It was like... From what I'm remembering the times, it was like within 45 minutes that he entered the club and then left the club. Less, about 42 minutes total. Okay. It appears that he probably gets propositioned in the club, maybe do some extracurricular activities with Amani. Okay. They leave the club. They meet at and Speedway. And the guy she's with? It's weird, right? But then okay. they separate. We know uh -huh. that they separate, and he ends up at the park with Amani alone, at least for 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. And apparently they bought a condom. So I think, you know, we can fill in the blanks of maybe what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. All right. So it starts to put some of the case together, obviously. Rochester PD has a lot of different investigative units and they all are doing different types of cases. And they have the system that they can put phone numbers in to basically deconflict. Like you're working one case. I don't know anything about your case. I'm working another case. You can put a number in the system 
a phone number that's related to your case. And I can see if case. it connects with your case, if right. it's somehow related. Right, or vice number. versa. So the detectives are going to put Amani's phone number into the system, and boom, it hits on another homicide. Oh. So they're like, okay, we think she's a potential homicide suspect on this homicide, and she's associated with this other homicide. Sure. Oh, but wait, she's listed as a family member of to the this other, dude other homicide. Oh, wait, it only happened like 12 days before our homicide. That's okay. kind of crazy. So they go and the, the two detectives get together. <laughs> and basically what they find is that there's another homicide that happens on May 14th. So ours is on May 27th. This other one's on May 14th. Okay. And this homicide is a little bit crazy. We're going to call the victim Edward. That's not his real name. We're going to change his name to Edward. Edward was found in a vacant lot in kind of downtown, right in the center of Rochester. Okay. Edward has been stabbed over 90 times. Oh my gosh. And I'm sure people hear like, oh, that's a lot. I don't think people understand. No, that would be exhausting. Yes. <laughs> Stabbing somebody 90, 90 times. 90 times. For those of you listening and you're bored, make a fist like you're holding a knife and start hitting a desk or a chair and do it for 90 times. Just so you really get the hard. Yes. Get the feel. And then take a minute, wipe the sweat off your brow and come back to the show. But like 90 times is crazy. What this is this overkill. What did do, I wonder? We don't know. But it appears one of the motives for his homicide Somebody stole his shoes. Oh. Welcome to Rochester. Somebody likes hats and shoes. It hats and like. shoes. So how does this tie back into Amani? Amani's boyfriend is a guy by the name of Seisman. Okay. So it's Amani Williams and Seisman Brown. Their boyfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> the victim who's been stabbed 90 times is Seisman's half-brother. Oh. So law enforcement makes contact with him, just contacting the family. He was always the favorite. Yeah. So they're just contacting Seisman like, hey, your 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 brother died. Like, what do you mm -hmm. know? And Seisman and Amani's really playing it up like, oh, that's terrible. But that's why the phone number is in the system. So at first it's like, hmm, okay, well, that doesn't really give us anything. But now we have Seisman's phone number, Amani's phone number, and there's actually a third phone that's associated with these two. So they have three different phones. We're going to get these phone records. And what's really cool here is between the victim's phone and then the three phones that belong to Seisman and Amani, we're able to use the location data from those phones to fill in the gaps in between the camera shots. So we're going to include the video footage with the cell phone evidence. And now Just we can piece everything. At all. Oh, yeah, 100%. Along with the point of sale transactions at the yeah. gas station. And it gives us some really interesting perspective at the park. Because now when they're in the park, obviously, we don't have video cameras. But we're getting better location information. We can see when they arrive at the park. And we can see when they leave the park. Sure. So we believe they leave the park around 310. So if you remember correctly, uh, Seisman got to the park just before 3 a.m. By 3.10, he and Amani are leaving. And they're leaving together because we see the phones traveling together. Well, she needed a ride home. Right, right. And they live quite a ways to the north. So we see the phone go up to the north. Okay. It passes their house. And it continues for about two or three miles north of their house. And then it just stops and kind of stagnates for about 15 How far minutes. is the park from their house? Oh, it's a solid 30, 35 minute drive. Okay. So, I mean, it took them a while, right? But they right. kept kept going. And we get good enough location information, we can kind of pinpoint this area. And lo and behold, there's another Speedway gas station. We know there's great surveillance video at Speedway, so right. let's go pull that video and see what we find. And sure enough, here is Seisman Brown at the other Speedway. What does his 
uh, sweatshirt say? Did it's, I see the word crime on there? Yeah, you did. Interesting, huh? Um, yeah. It's American Eagle Outfitters. But yeah, it's got a picture of a handgun and it says the word crime underneath the handgun, which is very appropriate. He's handing the clerk here $6. I think maybe they, they put that on after the purchase of the sweatshirt. Probably. I don't think it's probably a... Okay. Okay, so what did he buy here? He's buying $6 worth of gas. But Mm -hmm. when he goes back outside, he's going to remove a gas can from the car, and he's going to put some of that $6 worth of gas in a gas can. Mm -hmm. He's going to put the rest of it in the car. So he's filling a gas can. Well, we don't have the blue light. We have some of the blue light camera, but we don't have a lot of the blue light camera. Guess where he heads when he leaves the uh, the gas station here. Back to the park. Back to the park. And Why would up. they drive so far? Well, it's interesting you're saying that because I actually did a search of how many gas stations are between the first speedway in the park and then how many gas stations are between the park and the second speedway. Mm-hmm. And it's literally dozens. So it, we'll get into this more. But yes, that is a great this point This is one of those things to where they almost got home. It's like when I forget my phone, right? They almost get home. I don't think you can compare no, I'm this to forgetting it together your now. phone. I'm putting it together now. She's like, I forgot to use the condom. Wait, what? He's like, do you know what this means? Shit, Imani. Now we go. We now we got to go all the way back. It's <laughs> like any other couple who's like, how many times do I have to tell you, woman? It's such a simple thing. <laughs> we bought the condom. Use the condom. Oh, my God. She forgot to put the condom on, didn't she? That's why they burned him and his genitals. But they burn him over an hour later because it takes him like 45 minutes to get to this gas station. It takes him like 35 minutes to drive. a lot of effort for this crime. I think you hit it right on the head. Like, they are just about home. And we now know basically what happened is Amani has sex with our victim. And then when Amani's finishing having sex with him, Seisman shows up and tries to rob our victim. Most likely our, our victim probably fought back or, or resisted. So Amani's not a stripper. No. She, like, I don't, was she getting paid by these dudes? We don't know if she's getting paid by this guy. Now, there's more to the story like down the road guy? we're going to start piecing together, but it looks like Amani would just wanted to go have sex with this guy in the park, forgot the condom, Seisman shows up, robs the guy, shoots him for whatever reason, takes his hat. We know the hat's gone. Right. And, and who knows what else? And Did they that, find any ID or anything on him when they found his body? I think they got some ID, but like obviously no cash. And if they would have, like it was a fire. So who knows what was right. there anyway. But then I think you're 100% right. I think it, that's date night, right? Like you got they yours, just, I got mine. And now we're thing. driving home. We're tired. It's been a long night. And we're about yeah. to pull in the driveway. They're like, let's go home and make love. And, and you we'll drop the bomb on me as we're driving. It's like when you yeah. want to eat. And like we'll drive 42 miles and we finally pull in the driveway and you'll be like hey do you want to go grab something to eat <laughs> it's the same thing yeah. like they're pulling the driveway and she's like hey i forgot to tell you I forgot to wear the condom uh, yeah. my dna is all over this guy so yeah i yeah. think you're right i think that's why it's so delayed because of this it's literally going to add almost three hours to this because it's 45 minutes to this gas station it's 35 minutes back to the park then they have to get have out of the park of this in their phone records and on video surveillance yes they they burn him then they drive all the way back home they don't get home until six o'clock like what a late date night yeah Uh, but earlier in the this episode when i was talking about sometimes when people do things like burn a body it destroys pieces of forensic evidence at the body 
But man, they just made this perfect trail back and forth of getting yeah, the gas. It's a huge paper trail. It's going to be will. very hard to overcome at court. So this is looking really bad for the two of them. Obviously, at this point, law enforcement has more than enough to go get some search. And they have multiple phones. And multiple phones. So like, not only is it one or this two phones, awesome. it's three phones. Okay. Yeah. So they're going to serve a search warrant on their house. They live together and they're going to recover quite a bit of evidence. There's some drugs in there. They are going to recover the victim's hat. Oh, his New York cap. His New York cap. Yeah. They link that together fairly quickly. Now, at the same time, there's this other homicide, if you remember, that they're related to the half-brother, yes. Edward. So with poor Edward, obviously he's been stabbed 90 times. When they start processing the scene, it also appears somebody took his shoes. Like, I'm not saying the whole murder. They just jacked his shoes from his feet? jacked his shoes. And I'm not saying that was the cause for the murder, but somebody took his shoes. They really wanted him. Right. Edward. And it was this blood smear that they found on his sock that, hey, whoever took his shoes, maybe they had blood on them and they smeared the sock. So obviously mm-hmm. they're going to test that blood and that blood comes back to Seisman Brown. Brown. So now Seisman is looking very good for that homicide as well. Why? Uh, I wonder what his brother did. You know, there was or some... It's a half-brother, right? Half-brother. Both of them have been in and out of jail. They, they've got a pretty lengthy arrest record. It appeared that they were probably doing some type of robberies on the side. Like, Seisman's, he, he makes his living doing robberies. So, mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be something good. Like, five bucks and a gold chain or a New York Yankees hat is, like, worth worth the robbery, right? It's, it's a different breed of person altogether. Right. But it appeared that him and Edward were probably doing robberies. Something probably went south on this relationship. And okay. for some reason, Seisman felt like he had to kill him. Right. But I think he was really angry, like 90 sometimes. Very angry. Very angry. But he didn't burn him, so we know that most likely he didn't have sex with Amani. Do you think Amani helped in the stabbings? They are going to charge Amani with that murder. Uh, however, that case is later on going to be dismissed for lack of evidence against Amani. So hmm. whether she did or not, we'll never be able to prove it. Long story short, they oh, arrest our oh. two suspects. So that's Amani on the left hmm. and that's Seisman on the right. Is that a tattoo on her neck? It yeah, looks hang like on. Sai. Stop, stop. We'll get back to that in a minute. Um, how weird is that? Stop it for a second. Let me get to the story. She never even knew you were going to be the detect one of the detectives on her case. <laughs> and she has her name, your it's name It's not my name. Stop that. Okay, so this is actually the media <laughs> post that Rochester police put out because they had to shut the park down for like eight hours. Like the entire the, park? Yeah, because they don't know where the evidence is. So they've that got is a huge Yeah, so of course the city of Rochester is like, hey, what happened to the dude who burned in the park that you shut down? All the golfers are mad. When they make these arrests, they're announcing, hey, we've solved this case. Here's our suspects. And now they're preparing for court. And you, you jump the gun on me a little bit because it does kind of stand out. So I get it. Um, <laughs> yes, on the left side of her neck, you can see SY, which is Psy. Now, in my defense, uh, she has her collar there, if you peel the collar back, the rest mm-hmm. of that t- tattoo says Seisman. It's not my name. Uh. I refuse for you <laughs> to put out to the masses that she has my name tattooed on her neck. Okay. Um, but you know, tattoos are interesting when you're a criminal. Like the fastest way to get identified and actually known to law enforcement are tattoos, especially very unique tattoos. Like how many people in the United States have the word Seisman and he spells it a little bit weird, Mm -hmm. have Seisman tattooed on their neck. 
I like, don't know. And like then, there are a lot of people I could see with like a marijuana leaf or something on their neck. Right. A, a little star. Bit, uh, yes. Things you might see three or four different times throughout. But this is pretty distinct. Well, or law enforcement's like, so do you know Seisman? She's like, nope, never met him. But <laughs> she's got his entire name know. wrapped around his neck. Yeah. So it, criminals and tattoos are always very interesting to me. Like if you're going to be a hardcore thug, don't get tattoos. Yeah, it just makes thing. it easier. Uh-huh. Now we're giving away secrets. Yeah. So. We're headed to trial, like Rochester PD is buttoning up the case to go to trial, and they've got a really strong case, and out of nowhere comes Triple T. And I gave Triple T his name. Uh, I'm calling him Two Time and Tony. Okay. And the reason, I'm not going to give you his real name. I actually went through his Facebook page. Oh, my God. (laughs) This guy. I showed you part of this yeah, Facebook yeah. page. It was like it was probably about as bad as listening to jail calls. Jail calls are horrible to listen it's to. Going through worse. his Facebook page was really bad. Two Time and Tony loves the women of Rochester, and I mean loves the women of Rochester. He's with them. He's. I think he's been with every woman in Rochester yeah. there is to be with. I think I stopped counting at like five thousand two hundred sixty different women that he was plowing through in Rochester. It was out of control. And he has it like on his forward public page. Yeah, and like none of this is even him. Like you don't even have to be his friend. Like Triple T is like, here I am, women, come yeah. and get it. He's got some issues for prior arrests, and he's either on parole or probation, and he gets picked up just before this trial on a different charge. I'm sure it's some bunked up charge that probably doesn't even really matter, but he's looking at doing some jail time again. So through his attorney, he's basically putting it out there, hey, I saw this case that happened at the park, mm-hmm. and uh, these, these two were arrested. It was a couple. Like, they targeted this guy at a strip club. They killed him. I know of another case where they tried to do the same thing, but that person lived. And if you guys are willing to cut me a deal here, I'll give you the skinny. So it takes a while, and this is what we call a free talk, where essentially you got to get the prosecutor involved. They'll look at his current charges, and if it's like drug charges where there isn't really a personal victim, they can reduce or eliminate that sentence altogether if he agrees to testify on a bigger case where we have this other couple. Sure. So they put together the free talk, and uh, his attorney, obviously, you're not going to say anything until we get this paperwork done. So they come back in. <laughs> I can just imagine how this goes. All right, here's your free talk. We're not going to charge you with it. Give us something that we can use and we'll reduce your sentence. Who is this person that allegedly they tried to rob? And he's like, hey, man, it's me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he starts to retell the story. And this is going to start making so a lot of sense. So he was a frequenter of Cordial's as well. Yes. He was hanging out in Cordial's where he gets approached by Amani, who wants to just go have sex. Just sounds very familiar. Not as a prostitute. She's not soliciting him to pay for sex. And again, she's not even a stripper. But she's picking him up in a strip club, just like our victim. Was a Seisman with her at this time too? Yes. Did did he ever find out who Seisman was? Like, If I were the dude in this position, I'd be like, hey, who's that dude you're with? I remember something vaguely coming up about this, and I want to say she said it was her brother. Oh, that's creepy. It's even creepier, right? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm taking I my brother with me to the strip clubs. club to pick up on guys. Yeah, with my brother. Yeah. That is gross. So Triple T is going to leave the strip club with her and take her back to his house where they have sex. Okay. And then when they're done, Amani's like, hey, can you, can you take me home? And, of course, Triple T is like, I'm a gentleman. I'll take you home. So she's directing him to where to take her home. Now, one thing that Triple T says in this interview that's really interesting, she was texting nonstop, like on the way to the house. He's like, it got really weird. We're having sex. And she's still trying to text. 
she's giving while they were having sex she was she's texting. giving seisman the play she's by like play. almost there yeah. almost there giving him literally the play by play give me 15 more seconds so then she's directing <laughs> him on where to drive to drop her off and as he pulls up to the curb to drop her off uh-huh out of nowhere, Seisman shows up and literally ambushes this guy. His window's down. Okay, so he's still in the car. He's still in the driver's seat of the car. Amani's in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. The window's down. Seisman comes up out of nowhere in the dark. And keep in mind, it's probably like 2 o'clock in the morning, right? So mm-hmm. it's dark. Mm-hmm. Seisman reaches through the window and is trying to steal his gold chain. On the other hand, he has a handgun. Triple T he ain't no punk. He's going to fight this guy. So he gets in a fight through the window, if you and will. Triple T, when we were looking at him, he's he's a little bit of a smaller guy than Lewis was, but he was definitely in shape. He's wiry. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of wiry looking. Yeah. yeah. So he he takes Seisman to task and they start fighting and Seisman gets two rounds off. So he fires the gun twice. Mm-hmm. It appears from what little bit of research I could find on this, he hits him once in the chest and once in the arm. And then Seisman flees. Amani freaks out because now there's this fight over the gun and the gun goes off. So she takes off. And then of course, once they both leave, Triple T takes off. He ends up... He ends up at the hospital. He had to have gone to the hospital. He posts this on Facebook, but he needs somebody to take him to the hospital. Like if you go back to his Facebook, even oh, right. today, no, he's posting right. about like life on the streets. It's That's rough, right. bros. But he, but he never mentions the actual incident. He just he blames can't. it as like being street life. He can't because <laughs> I think he's either on parole or probation. And for him to be out and intersecting with these other criminals, and he's probably a little bit drunk or high, is a probation violation. So he's like, you just got to take one. So he goes to the hospital with these bullet wounds. <laughs> and they're asking him like, dude, what happened? And he's like, I don't know. It wasn't me. Oh, my gosh. So he never reports it because he doesn't want to get in trouble, but he's posted his Facebook posts are hilarious because he basically owns this like, hey, when you're hardcore, this is what happens when you run on the street. You just got to suck it up like a man and move on, man. Like it happens to all of us. Oh my god! It's almost like a rite of passage to him. It was so crazy. So anyway, at this point, he's coming forward and he's going to testify <laughs> as well. Okay. Now, I think there's something we have to take away from this. We have now identified somebody who's willing to talk about it who can actually confirm parts of this because like the detectives are like okay that's a great story but how do we know it really happened and he's like well number one here's my bullet holes you can pull the medical report it happened Mm mid-july and oh by the way number two when amani jumped out of my car and took off running and i took off i was down the street a ways before i realized she left her cell phone in my car so I've just been hanging on to it. And Amani's he's, just always forgetting things, isn't she? Yeah, it appears so, yes. <laughs> it's the downfall to every good relationship. Yeah, uh, Somebody's just a space case. Um, so at this point, boom, he slides Amani's cell phone across the table to detectives. And he's like, that's okay. the phone she left in my car. They open it up. It's the flip phone from the gas station. They are thumbing through it. And sure enough, there's pictures of Amani and Seisman. And if there's any doubt of what we're looking at or who we're looking at in some of these pictures, there may or may not be a picture of Amani's bare butt with Seisman's name tattooed all the way across her ass again. And I keep trying to tell people, if you're going to commit crimes and do stupid shit, stop putting these tattoos on you that are so easy to recognize. Because like, they'll be, hey, is this your phone? She's like, no. And they'll be like, well, is that your ass? Like, what do you say? Like, I wonder if this was a choice or if he made her do it somehow. Oh, that's an interesting concept. 
you know, like. It was definitely an interesting relationship. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. before I whack him, I wanted to see you belong to me. Right? Like. <laughs> so screwed up. <laughs> go get my name tattooed on your rear end. Yeah. No, I'm not getting names. And I feel pretty good about my life at this point that I've made it, you know, 50 plus years in life. And nobody has my name tattooed on their ass. That you know of. No, nobody has a Stop it. <laughs> Somebody out there probably doesn't Stop even, it. even realize All right, it. so we're going to trial. We're moving on here. Okay. Um, Seisman is going for the both murders, uh, both of Edward and Lewis, and the attempted murder of Triple T. Um, he's found guilty on everything. He's going to go do 75 years. So he is currently in prison. Most likely he's going to do life because of his age. He's never going to get out of prison. Good. Amani, on the other hand, some really interesting things happen. Okay. Number one, the case with Edward, the half-brother. Not mm -hmm. enough evidence to show she had anything to do with that. That case is dismissed on her. Okay. The case with Lewis, huge faux pas. And, you know, I, I've got to, I want to defend Rochester here. For their size, they have one of the highest violent crime rates in the country. And it keeps growing. Yes, like it is out of control. So you, there are only 200,000 when you look at the size of Rochester, New York, they're heavily underfunded, heavily understaffed, and they have one of the highest homicide rates in the country. So they're mm -hmm. just like straight up just choking on homicides every day. So I, I can't be super critical of that because they're just trying to get the job done. When they indicted Amani, they indicted her for first degree murder of Lewis and then the robbery. What they should have indicted her for is what's called capital murder. And the idea with capital murder is if I cause your death in the commission of a felony, even if I didn't physically kill you, mm -hmm. I can be criminally held responsible for your death. So example, I'm robbing a bank. You're at the teller. I come up with a gun. I push you to the side. I'm giving the teller a bunch of grief. They give me money. I run out. When I push you to the side, you kind of fall down and have a heart attack and die. It's because of the shock uh, related to the robbery that you could be charged with. Right. So depending on where you're at in the country, the capital murder or felony murder kicks in. And the fact that in the commission of me committing a violent felony, I caused your death, I can now be charged with your death. Well, they didn't file that on her. They filed first degree murder. Why wouldn't they file that on her? It's just a, probably an oversight, just a simple oversight. Well, New York does things a lot differently than most the, other states yeah, do, It just so. it happens. And like I said, they're cranking cases out left and right. Like right. they're outpacing most of the country on how many cases they're actually solving and charging anyway. But they can't prove the murder that she did it. It's Seisman who actually kills this guy. So right. she's going to walk on that murder as well. What she really gets hemmed up on is Triple T's robbery. They're able to show through his testimony, because obviously he can explain the whole story, that she 100% facilitated that robbery. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that really sticks on her is Triple T's robbery. So she's going to get seven years. She was going to get released here pretty soon, but earlier this year mm -hmm. in May or March, I think it was, she got in a fight. In and, prison. In prison. She, and she admitted to hitting another prisoner with her hand. Uh -huh. What she left out of that confession is that she broke this other prisoner's orbital socket. Oh, like she must have beat the shit out of this other person. Oh, no. So she got an additional year and a half to three years for that charge. If you're in Rochester, you live there. Yeah. Maybe you, Cordial's is closed down, by the way. I don't know if they'll ever reopen, <laughs> but there's other strip clubs there. I'm assuming there. you found these pictures of a closed down Cordial's yeah, online. Yeah, it's, it's sad. I was so, like, I see all these other pictures and I I'm think, thinking about this case. I think Cordial's was cordials then it became dominique's showgirls 
And then Dominique's showgirls actually got, they were sued because they were using photographs of models that they were superimposing as strippers at their strip club. And I'm not sure if that's what shut their doors, but they had a ton of lawsuits against them at Dominique's showgirls. So they'd been kind of around the mill. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) Right. But what I want to throw out there, and this is where I was saying, we're going to save somebody's life in this episode. Okay. If you live in Rochester... Amani Williams will be released from prison soon. I can't tell you when exactly. May of 2025 to May of 2026. Amani Williams is likely going to get out of prison. So if you're hanging out at a strip club in Rochester and this yeah. chick comes up, she'll have a tattoo on her neck that says Seisman. Uh-huh. <laughs> There'll yeah. be another one on the butt, depending on what you're looking at. Uh-huh. And she wants to go have sex. Don't, Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. It's a Kodak moment. It, it is literally a Kodak <laughs> moment. And it's not a good Kodak moment. It's the not being aware of your surroundings of something that'll kill you. One of the detectives who worked this case, and I've got to give a shout out to Rochester. We've been able to do a lot of work with them. We've done some classes up there with them. We've also worked a handful of cases. And I was talking to him about this case. And he gets to the end. And keep in mind, he's probably been working these homicides in Rochester for 30, 32 years now. Like mm-hmm. The guy has seen it all. We're talking about this case one day, and he actually tells me, he's like, there is no free lunch in this world. And I thought, man, that is so true. So if you're hanging out, not just in Rochester, but at a strip club, and you get propositioned by somebody who just wants to go have sex with you, she's hanging out with her brother, maybe think twice. There should be a buddy system rule for men who go to strip clubs. I've actually put together our closing here of what did we learn today? And (laughs) before we get to that, though, I have a question to ask you because I'm super curious. Okay, what? If they were just robbing people... And I could kind of see targeting men at a strip club, especially if I found, if there is a way that when I communicate with this person, I find out they're involved with another. They're, they're married or their girlfriend, right? In a mm-hmm. strip club, they probably have cash on them. So if I can find and identify yeah. victims in a strip club, There's get them out. There's lots of ones in strip clubs. Well, yeah, but other cash as well, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Like most guys don't go into a strip club broke. No. Like, no, no, I don't know. Happened. Maybe they do. I don't know. I'm just thinking it's probably a boring night in the strip club when you don't have money. Like, the whole point is you're going in with some cash. So it I'm wondering. On the type of guy, okay. On the robbery side, though, he's married, so maybe he won't report this. It's easy cash because it's just in his pocket. Even if it is ones, it makes sense to target men in strip clubs to rob them outside. Right. But, but Imani wasn't even robbing them. Exactly. And she wasn't asking for pay. And, you know, maybe she's using this lure this of sex. This is like a fetish of hers. Yes, that's where I was headed with this. And then he gets off on killing him. She's just a dirty little they, birdie, isn't she? I think they both do. Like, it is the weirdest thing ever. And, you know, back to our intro, literally predators. Well, I there. this is really a brazen predator move. So I have to wonder, beyond Edward and Lewis and Triple T, how many other men have died because of them? And we don't even know about well, it. Well, and they're in a hot spot. Like how many unsolved murders are there in Rochester? Well, there's a great river to dump the body into. Right. And how many other little towns around Rochester can you find similar stuff? So, yeah, I am I am convinced this was not their first go out and they just got happened to get caught on these ones. Right. Like because they probably had pretty good success with this. Most people who murder will take some pretty good pains to hide a body or get rid of it. They, at this point, they were just leaving bodies in fields. They probably would have left, um, who's our guy, Triple T? They probably would have left him in the car just dead. Oh, I'm sure of it, 100%. 
Which is interesting, though. Like, would they have to go to the gas station really quick so they could burn it? Because he had sex with Imani as well. Like, it's just, that is such a weird facet of this whole whole relationship, though, where she's having sex with these guys while her boyfriend is either waiting down the street or outside. Mm -hmm. When she completes having sex with them, they kill him together, and then they rob him of whatever he has. Yeah. How come this hasn't been on a dateline? I don't know. That's a great question. But to your point, what did we learn today? People like this exist. Right. If you're going to hang out in strip clubs, use the buddy system. Take a bro. Mm -hmm. You don't ever leave your wingman, especially if she has Seisman tattooed on her neck. Like, it's a no-go. It's just also the the idea that don't just go for a quick hookup if you go to a a strip club, right? Because there are no free lunches lunches. in this world. (laughs) Yeah, and there's whacked out crazy freak shows out there that are going to kill you if you give them don't have your Kodak moment. Like, stay yeah. away. Stay away. Uh, good talk. Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> Hope this is really resonating for some of our listeners. Yeah, this should be a public service announcement. It How do pretty we make much this is. into a PSA? All right, so this case was that pretty... It comes out at like 10 p.m. Right, no, like 1 o'clock and then 2 o'clock, and then maybe we go on like uh, uh, radio ads. So uh-huh. when you're driving home from strip clubs, like you hear it. yeah. It's a little Are you leaving the strip club? Yeah. Who are you with? Does uh-huh. she have a tattoo on her neck? Has she propositioned you for yeah. money? Is she with her brother? <laughs> you are about to be killed. <laughs> we could save lives left and right. All right, lock it up. Um, next week, another homicide, but we're going to try to go serious. Uh, next week, we have a homicide that has stuck with me for years. It's a very technical one. I'm really excited about getting this story out there because it's just a story that needs to be told. So I'm excited about where we go next week with a very serious case. We hope you join us for Roses with Jackie at the next Socialite Crime Club. Stay safe out of the strip clubs. (laughs) 